I would say a lot of the bad reputation is for no good reason. Um, first of all, a lot of the studies um, are from America. So their dairy is very different. They, you know, they, they don't have strict regulations and they have a lot of hormones added. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster. The show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high-performance mind, body, and lifestyle. Hi, friends. I have a very relaxed and refreshing interview for you today with Dr. Michelle Brody, who is a medical doctor and a nutritionist, and she's extremely passionate about food and cooking. She is a self-proclaimed foodie, and her Instagram feed is absolutely insane. It's got so many delicious recipes and beautiful pictures on there, so definitely recommend checking that out. Also, her book, she's authored two books. One is The Food Effect Diet. The other one is The Food Effect Diet Vegan, and she's just, it really showcases her passion for food, and she really loves food and cooking. She fully appreciates that her clients want to enjoy their food as well as hitting their weight loss goals. And she has a very um, relaxed and intuitive approach to nutrition that I think you're really going to enjoy listening to. She uses a combination of science, choice and taste to give a fully comprehensive approach and educates her clients about healthy eating in a way that basically helps them lead a happier, healthier life and looking and feeling their best. And so in today's episode, we dive into her philosophy. We talk about different recipes. We talk about what's important in terms of hitting your ideal body composition goals without actually having to give up lots of foods. And we discuss why diets don't work over the long term and really what you can eat to really enjoy life and get the amazing body composition benefits and glow from the inside out. So let me introduce you to Dr. Michelle Brody. So I'm here today with Dr. Michelle Broad. I'm so excited to have you on the show, Michelle. This has been, uh, it's taken a little while, I think, to coordinate our diaries together. And you're definitely someone I've been wanting to interview, I'd say for definitely over a year now. So I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here today. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm absolutely delighted to have you here and really excited to share your methodology and the food effect diet because I think the thing that really struck me is um, it almost touches on the way I was raised actually and I've never had a problem Mm -hmm. with my weight personally and I think I've always enjoyed and my mum always taught me to enjoy a little bit of everything everything in moderation is okay and I think Mm -hmm. that what really struck me about the food effect diet is that you can enjoy life you can have your glass of wine you can mm-hmm. um, still eat healthily and your Instagram just blew me away with all the delicious recipes that look so amazing oh, thank um, you. and so I'm really excited to basically share it um, with the listeners today so they can actually start to understand so let's kind of kick off with how would you summarize the principles of the food effect diet because I know it's great for losing weight as well mm-hmm. as really enjoying your food Yeah, so I think it's really just, as you say, a simple, delicious, colorful, vibrant, enjoyable way of eating that still allows you to lose weight and at the same time boost energy levels, lower blood pressure, cholesterol, those are issues, get glowing skin, improve your mood. 
So I think it really is, you know, of course, weight loss is a result of following the ethos and the lifestyle. But, you know, the focus is on health um, and the health benefits of it, which I would say, you know, potentially is even more important. And another key point is that it's sustainable lifelong. So, you know, Mm. there are plenty of diets that you will lose weight for sure. But then I don't believe and from seeing clients, they're not sustainable. So the problem is you lose all the weight, you can't keep them up long term. And then what do you do after? So the food effect is really designed to be a way of life. Yeah, that works for life. (laughs) Definitely. And that was the thing that struck me, actually, when I was reading your books and also in the, all the content that you share is it's so tasty mm-hmm. and delicious. That I think people well, you don't feel hungry when you're eating it, which is great. So I think that really yeah. helps. And also you're getting all the flavors and things that are there. And you make a really good point in the book that I picked up on, which was that lots of people are kind of going very high fat and they're um, thinking Mm -hmm. that they're going to lose weight. And they're including all of these healthy foods like avocados, nuts. And um, I think you were talking about putting having even if they put with their oats with loads of chia seeds and then almond Mm -hmm. butter and all these things and things that they put into their smoothies. And Mm -hmm. what they don't realize is that I've actually got this extremely high calorie meal Um, yeah and calories well it may not be as simple as calories in calories out they play a part don't they in terms of achieving that ideal body composition Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely I know we are right about that but it's so true you know I think people have to a lot of people don't distinguish between healthy eating and healthy eating for weight loss and of course all the healthy foods are great and it's what I promote you know healthy fats and all the foods you mentioned, avocado, nuts. But there are a lot of, you know, on Instagram, the big foodies with these delicious recipes. But, you know, a bowl of, I've had people buy the books and they think um, that by following it or, you know, by adopting a vegan lifestyle, this clean eating, they're going to automatically lose weight. But then, as you say, that are right, they're having these giant bowls of oats with topped with coconut oil and chia seeds and homemade Nutella and pumpkin seeds and they come to me having gained weight and they're like I'm eating all this healthy food I'm snacking on a bag of nuts um, and I'm gaining weight so they don't realize that you know just portion control is still important even with healthy foods. Yeah, exactly. It's a great point. And in terms of like breaking down, because you have this great thing in the book where basically you sort of show people in a table format, um, eat this, be careful and then stay away, which I just thought was brilliant because it makes it really, really super simple. Mm -hmm. Um, There were a few surprises on there that I would definitely want to speak to you about. So one of the surprises for me was bananas because Mm -hmm. I I don't actually eat them because I think they are quite sugary. Um, I don't eat very much. But then I know a lot of people feel that they're a good source of things like potassium or if they've been working out quite hard, they'd have bananas. Why are Mm -hmm. bananas something to potentially stay away from? Um, yeah, this is something I always get asked about. <laughs> so just to sort of, you know, I'm really pro all fruit and I don't make people cut fruit out at all. And, you know, I see so many people who think they should avoid grapes and mango and melon and pineapple, and I don't exclude any of those. But I think bananas, I've seen a lot of people that equate, they don't realize that they are high in calories. So someone will either be choosing like an apple as a snack or a banana, Um, or they'll just add a banana to their porridge every morning and think of it like berries, 
So really, or adding two bananas. I've seen a lot of people who put two bananas in their smoothies every morning, which is, I don't know, about 300 calories and a few hundred grams of carbs. So I think that's just an easy way. Of course, you know, it's not an awful food, but just if I'm simplifying things, I have seen by telling people to cut out bananas and replace it with any other fruit. So if they're having a snack, they would have an apple instead of a banana, they could, they would be saving about 100 calories, and a lot of carbs and spikes in blood sugar levels. And with regards to the potassium, so things like avocado, half a medium sized avocado has more potassium than Mm. I think a whole banana. So there is a lot of avo in my diet. So I didn't think people would lose out too much. And I just think it's an easy thing to leave out. And as you said, I think for people who are more aware, then of course, you know, post-workout or pre-workout, with an awareness, they're fine. But when you're, there are a lot of people, as I say, who would put two into their smoothie, which already has a few hundred calories. So by cutting them out, that I've seen that really help people with weight loss. Yeah, that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. While we're on the topic of today's show, talking about how you can really enjoy your food and still lose excess weight, I want to interrupt today's show to tell you quickly about some incredibly amazing tasting mayonnaise that I've been having that does not have any of the pro-inflammatory fats that are seen in regular mayonnaises. And these are by Hunter and Gather. They use 100% avocado oil in their mayonnaises. They have lots of different flavors. You can have the standard, but you can also get chipotle and lime you can have garlic mayo you can have just normal mayonnaise but it's all made with 100% avocado oil which is much better for your health but you still get the same great test um, if you head over to bit.ly forward slash hunter and gather you can check out their mayonnaises and also they do some great ketchup they do collagen powder which is something that i put into my smoothie um, on a daily basis um, alongside a bit of protein I also add it into coffee. It blends super well into coffee. Um, You can't taste it and you get all the skin boosting and joint boosting benefits um, by just mixing it into your morning cup of joe. So head over to bit.ly forward slash hunter and gather. And if you enter code Angela Foster at checkout, you'll get a cool 10% off your order. Now let's get back to Michelle. The other thing that you do, and uh, I I guess I haven't been doing this as much recently, but when I have done it, it's worked super, super mm-hmm. well, is you suggest that people have two snacks um, mm-hmm. in addition to their three meals, potentially mm-hmm. even whether they're hungry or not. Is that so that they don't kind of get so hungry that then they're more inclined to overeat or maybe go and jump straight for the wrong food because they're in a rush and now they've reached that point of hunger? Yes, absolutely. So... Um, My book, The Plan and the Meal Structure, is um, breakfast, lunch, and supper, and then a mid-afternoon snack and an evening snack, like either post-dinner or later in the evening. And I would say I probably put more importance on the mid-afternoon snack than even breakfast. So, you know, a lot of my clients tell me if they're not hungry for breakfast or they're not breakfast eaters or want to do intermittent fasting, I say that's fine to leave it out. But the mid-afternoon snack in particular, I do find 
that people who eat lunch, let's say at 12 or one, and then supper at seven or eight, they're so starving and with mm. no snack. They're so starving by the time they get to supper that they do overeat far more than the calories of a healthy snack. So I think in terms of keeping blood sugar levels stable um, in the afternoon when people often get that like natural dip and drop in blood sugar levels, I think for maintaining, you know, energy levels and as well, as you say, the main reason not to get to dinner starving and overeat. Um, I think that really helps. Mm. And then the the late evening or the post-supper snack, um, I've seen a lot of people struggle with nighttime eating and late night cravings. So I think having that evening snack where you know you've got your, you know, portioned amount of dark chocolate and fruit or a Greek yogurt with berries to look forward to really helps people stay on track and not go eat like a whole packet of biscuits in the evening. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you advocate, because I always find that like for kind of autophagy and better sleep, it's ideally you'd leave kind of three hours before sleep and that um, you have a kind of minimum 12 hour overnight fast. So not necessarily Mm -hmm. extended fasts, but do you encourage people to have that overnight fasted period um, before then having breakfast? Yeah, I do. I definitely agree with that. So, you know, I think it's so individual because some people eat dinner at six o'clock and then like might have their snack at eight and go to bed, let's say at 11. So then it works well. So I don't really like to put a set time on things. Mm. Um, you know, other people go to bed 12, one and then it's fine. But yes, I, you know, I don't write about, you know, timing it, but I do definitely agree with that. And I would say you want to stop eating, you know, two to three hours before bed. But the snack isn't something um, like a huge thing that would necessarily um, impair sleep, but ideally, definitely what you say three hours before bed. Yeah, I suppose because it's not a big meal, is it? It's just something to kind of um, keep people going. The other thing that was interesting was alcohol. So I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. believe that this has to be very all or nothing. It's like I either drink or I don't drink. Um, and in it, you definitely talk about that there can be some health benefits and it's not something to totally rule out. Actually, what was interesting to me when you were linking to the studies that show actually people who have a drink a day may even have improved metabolisms compared to non-drinkers, which was yeah. really interesting. Um, what's, do, do we know the mechanism behind that or why that might be? Are they less likely to overeat if they're having something and I certainly find that mm-hmm. wine actually I feel really helps with digestion and I know with red wine now there are more and more studies coming out about enhancing the health of your microbiome and gut health because mm-hmm. of the polyphenols for example um but yeah I was just I was just curious on the on the wine and what you sort of advocate again you have your list which is great super helpful in terms of ones to have and ones to be careful or avoid yeah definitely So, yeah, I did read, you know, there were so many studies saying that alcohol consumption in moderation was healthier um, in terms of weight management and health benefits than avoiding it altogether. Um, There is definitely a scientific mechanism. I do not know it off the top of my head, I have to be honest. Um, I will look it up. But it it seems to make it Um, yeah, there is. And I have read what you say about the gut health. Um, you know, I think it's also like the fermentation, um, similar to 
what is it like kombucha and all those sort of things i think wine um offers similar benefits in that way in terms of gut health and obviously if you have um better microbiome your metabolism works better so sure that's all linked but the exact mechanisms i have to just be honest and i have to look it up yeah it's um, interesting on that link with metabolism i think also as you say like the the polyphenols as well help because they improve the health of your microbiome as well if you're having something like red wine but when you mm-hmm. say in it so people can have a glass a day for example mm-hmm. are you looking at them restricting to sort of a small glass where it's one unit is that ideal or is it kind of one to two units because it seems so variable in everything that you read in relation to alcohol yeah so it is I would say a unit so a small glass um but as you say I do find you know a lot of people would prefer they struggle with alcohol and you know sort of having an all or nothing approach and a a lot of my clients who drink too much when I say okay let's try cut it down to you know, a drink a night or, you know, more substantial, three drinks um, a week, they prefer to cut it out, which I always find interesting. And they said, rather not have it in moderation. That's interesting, isn't it? Do you think that's because I guess your decision making is a bit impaired? As soon as you've had one, then people think, well, I'll just pour myself another one. Um, yeah maybe and I'm actually not a big drink I mean I'm not a drinker not for any health I just don't love it I'd rather indulge in food um but I have noticed that that people struggle to to cut down to moderation with it yeah yeah Uh, I I found that with people actually is that kind of all or nothing um the other thing I want to talk to you about is dairy and gluten so Mm -hmm. I guess with dairy first of all um, there seem to be so many conflicting studies on dairy. You know, certainly mm-hmm. some things will say, and you'll hear people frequently say in, in the media and things, you know, it's made for a baby cow. It's got too much growth hormone. Why, we shouldn't be having that as adults. Then I'll see other studies that suggest actually it might, you're better off getting your calcium from leafy greens. Um, mm-hmm. But then there are other studies and, and some studies will say, dairy might increase your risk of cancer and then others are saying actually it's protective against cancer can you kind of like dispel all the myths for us here what would you say in relation to dairy um I would say a lot of the bad reputation is for no good reason Mm. um first of all a lot of the studies um are from America so they, their dairy is very different. They, you know, they, they don't have strict regulations and they have a lot of hormones added. So I do agree that in America, I think the dairy can be quite harmful um, in terms of growth hormone and, you know, the worries with men drinking it or cancers. Um, so, yeah, that's a big point to note because a lot of the studies are American-based. Um, where their dairy is totally different to the UK. So we're lucky there are there are strict regulations um, in Europe and they don't add any hormones. So it, at the same time, it is so confusing. I agree with you there. You know, I'm not anti-dairy at all and I'll talk about it, but, you know, you do read it's inflammatory and um, causes all issues but then you read other things and say it's a total myth and you know it doesn't cause skin problems it can't mm. you know cure eczema or acne to cut it out 
I've, you know, read plenty of dermatologists say that the whole dairy thing causing skin problems is a myth. So it is very confusing. What I would say, you know, I think it's an amazing source of protein, calcium, vitamin A, vitamin D. Um, and yeah, I think if it doesn't, I would say the only need to cut it out is if someone's genuinely lactose intolerant and getting bad symptoms from it. Um, either that or ethical reasons, you know, wanting to be vegan, then fine. Um, those are probably the only reasons I would say to avoid it. If not, I am very pro-dairy, but obviously looking at what dairy you have. So, you know, sticking to milk, natural yogurt, and unprocessed cheese, you know, not very, I'm not pro like hard cheeses, sliced cheeses, very processed dairy. So I think good quality sort of natural, like feta cheese or low, I say low fat cottage cheese, milk. Yeah, that's interesting. Then, when you go for the yeah. sort of low fat or the semi skimmed, what would be yeah. in that? Because I guess I'm a big, I if I have milk, then I tend to go mm. with full fat, yeah, um, fat just because I think it tastes nicer. And also, I, I guess the difference in fat content is quite small, right? One's sort of 2% and one's 4%. So it doesn't to me feel, I realize that's double as I'm saying it, but it, it's still not a high fat food, is it? Um, yeah, no, definitely not. And the same thing, like in my book, you know, obviously it's got to be suitable for everyone and everyone wants results and weight loss. So if someone's going to have, you know, one or two cups of, of milk in their cereal in the morning or to cook their porridge, then it's going to make quite a big difference to weight loss if they have a cup of skim milk every morning plus in their hot drinks, then full fat. So mm. I think that's sort of a general advice and also cutting out the fat of the dairy. It's just saturated fat. So you're you know, not losing out on healthy fats. But as you say, you know, if I have a client who tells me they really don't enjoy skim milk, and they're only like semi or even full fat, I, you know, I say, you know, as you so say, it's relaxed. really not not the end of the world and yeah. totally can have it. I prefer semi-skim to skim. So, you know, I don't have skim milk. Um, so I think, as you say, it's really not a major difference. But things like, um, I think you wanted to ask me about the yogurts, fat-free and, yeah. and full yeah. fat. Because um, full fat yogurt actually can be really high in calories. A lot of people will eat like the total yogurt, for example. Yeah. And actually, if you look at the calorie content, because it's high in protein, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of people opt for it because it's high in protein. But actually, if you have a pot of total mm -hmm. uh, full fat, you are taking on quite a lot of calories. And that's probably another reason that then they're like, well, I'm not seeing the, the body composition results. Yeah, exactly. So with yogurt, I do recommend low fat or fat free because there is quite a big difference and I think all oh interestingly um low fat or fat free dairy has a higher protein and calcium content than full fat always because you know the the fat part doesn't have the protein and the mm -hmm. calcium so with that removed if you compare the label of skim milk and full fat the skimmed actually has higher protein and the same with 0% Greek yogurt and full fat. So the 0% is higher. Um, but interestingly, like in the news and all these articles you read, they always compare a full fat natural yogurt with a 0% sugared rubbishy one and yeah. say, 
and they say, oh, look, fat-free is so much higher in sugar, but it's always a fruit one compared to a natural one. So, you know, if you're comparing like with like, a 0% with a full fat, there's no added sugar in either of them. So I think, you know, in terms of saving calories and, you know, you're not losing out on health benefits, I would say for that to go for the 0%. Zero, um, yeah. That makes sense. Do you know, that's, it's mm. interesting that you say that because when we were just talking then about the skin health, what I've observed, mm-hmm. so my, and, and people villainize dairy often for things like eczema. And what mm-hmm. I've noticed when I look, so my daughter gets a little bit of eczema, not a lot, but it can flare up sometimes. Mm-hmm. And what, what I've noticed is it would be easy to jump to the fact that it's dairy, but it actually is because if she has dairy that doesn't have any sugar so she's had milk say in some porridge or she's had Mm -hmm. some cheese we don't get a dairy flare-up whereas if it's summertime and she's having ice cream which contains lots of sugar then Mm -hmm. we would see the flare-up in her eczema and I actually think it's the sugar not the um Mm -hmm. not the dairy but I think as you say it's so easy isn't it to kind of Mm. for one thing and say well it must be this because as soon as I cut out dairy products now there's not an issue whereas Mm -hmm. actually it could be what's in alongside the dairy yeah that's so interesting Mm. it's a bit like working out but that seems to be the case um you Mm. also talk about whole grains which I think is kind of quite refreshing because pretty much everyone at the moment unless it's sourdough Mm. bread is saying no you mustn't have any bread it's only sourdough Mm. that you can eat and gluten's bad for everybody and that we are we have we might be tolerant but who wants the tolerance that's kind of says it's not bad Mm -hmm. what have you found because I know you actually think whole grains is fine and you Mm -hmm. post for example a really tasty sandwich that you've put together um can you elaborate a bit more on that for people listening Yeah, sure. I think actually when you're talking about the ice cream and the dairy, I think that's similar to to gluten, what I see. You know, I have clients come and they say, you know, I cut out, I'm intolerant to gluten and when I cut it out, I feel so much better and I lost weight. But, you know, what did they cut out? Biscuits, pastries, croissants, cake. So it's not the gluten, but when, and then I give them a plan that includes gluten with, you know, whole grain bread, maybe whole wheat pasta, and, you know, they're feeling the same and they lose even more weight and still don't have the, you know, bloating and other bad symptoms. So it's really that they cut out the junk and the, you know, what else is in those things with gluten, trans fats, sugar. So I think a large part of, you know, all the bad reputation, you know, the bad effects we get from gluten is actually we're just eating refined white processed carbs that are full of sugar and, and fats, unhealthy fats and vegetable oils. So I think it's mainly that. And I think if you cut all that out um, and replace it with, you know, natural whole grains, as I say, wholemeal bread, whole wheat pasta, of course, in moderation, I think you'd also see the same health benefits as cutting out gluten altogether. Mm. Um, and I think, yeah, a lot of it is like driven by, you know, celebrity culture and, you know, what's popular going gluten free. And, you know, there are people who are intolerant, of course, and real celiac disease. But I think I don't believe most people need to cut gluten out their diets. I don't mm. know if that's very controversial, but of course, I'm recommending, you know, whole natural foods and, you know, in a healthy form, not 
yeah exactly rubbish. not kind of yeah. processed foods where they've actually which i think again happens a lot in the states doesn't it where they'll actually add extra gluten in yeah um, and then that causes because i know you know a lot of people associate it with brain fog and i think dr is it david dr Do, david palmetto who's written about um, grain brain and the effects that it has mm-hmm. on the brain but i think that if somebody is intolerant to anything it's going to cause inflammation and problems in their body isn't it but understanding yeah. if you are intolerant is the first step but if you're not then having it in a in a moderate amount probably isn't an issue yeah definitely and it doesn't have to be gluten i mean talking about whole grains so you know brown rice um barley all things like that um are naturally gluten uh, is barley gluten free now my brain's gone I can't I remember. Think so. Some of them are, and some of them aren't. Brown rice is different. Brown rice is, yeah. yeah. I so love brown I think, rice. Yeah, me too. It's kind of quite and nutty, amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing source. The whole grains of B vitamins, which are really important. Yes, and I think a lot of people don't understand that that when they do cut out the grains, they need to make sure they're getting the B vitamins elsewhere. Because while there might not be mm-hmm. that bioavailable, at least they were getting some before. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that's. Um, that's interesting the other thing is you talk about um starting the day with apple cider vinegar in warm water which mm-hmm. seems like a good um detox hack and you talk about it being better than a probiotic um i haven't actually started my day in that way but i'm going to mm-hmm. now because i'm quite keen i use apple cider vinegar in salads i think it's great for kind of regulating blood sugar i even mm-hmm. mix it up i've got this uh Alatura face mask that comes as a powder oh, with different yeah. forms of clay in it and hyaluronic acid and really high levels of vitamin C and then you mix wow. that up and you can mix it with water or you can mix it with apple cider vinegar which I do I do get a bit of a red face but oh, it gives wow. you this amazing amazing glow afterwards after you've done it so mm-hmm. I definitely I'm try it in the morning oh well oh, and I need to try on my face um yes so i mean i do think probiotics have a lot of benefits a good quality probiotic but um yeah it's been apple cider vinegar has been shown to have amazing health benefits um in terms of gut health helping with digestion reducing inflammation so i mean it's as beneficial if you add it onto your salads and it just, I suppose a lot of people don't do that. So mm. it's just a good way to, you know, if you start your day with it. And I think so many people have lemon water in the, in the morning, but actually apple cider vinegar has much more health benefits. So I would recommend that instead. And the reason for the water being warm, is that because you absorb it and hydrates you better or? Oh, no, I think I just, I just put that because, you know, it's nice to drink. Yeah, I have it with cold water. Um, oh, do you? Yeah, yeah, no, makes no difference health-wise. It's just sort of how to make a warm drink. You know, people want yeah. a warm drink in the morning, but no, definitely with cold water. And one thing I do say in the book is I would recommend adding a bit of sweetener. So, you know, it's quite it's, sharp. Yeah, don't have it by itself. You won't like me. So um, <laughs> I have it with some agave or stevia, or you can add, you know, maple syrup, whatever, xylit or whatever sweetener of preference. Um, and what is it, sure. one tablespoon or is it a teaspoon or a tablespoon in a glass of water? What do you usually have? Of the apple cider vinegar? Yeah. Um, a tablespoon. A tablespoon. Yeah. Okay. And does that help with um, kind of elimination as well? Does it get the bowel moving in the morning? Um, 
It, uh, it's not directly, I wouldn't say. Not like. Not directly. Not you know, like something. No, no, no. No. It probably, you know, results in better bowel habits mm. from the effects on your gut and digestion. But no, it's not like a lax. It's not like that. Interesting. And in terms of people's kind of macronutrient ratios, do you recommend or like working out? So if someone wanted to get started on this, how are they working out like roughly what their calorie intake? Because I know you've seen amazing, um, you have the attack phase and then the lifestyle mm-hmm. phase, which is more of the maintenance, but they still continue to lose weight. For those yeah. first four weeks when they're going in, what do you recommend in terms of, do you have a set sort of percentage of protein versus carbs and fats on calories or how does that work? Um, I mean, I don't. Um, when I when I have a new client, I calculate all that, and I would design their plan calculating that. And um, I don't recommend in the book um, counting macros or that anyone has to worry about that. Just because I've designed the plan, so I've sort of done that, the, all the calculations and that put it into the book. So I've really made it very simple that no one has to count calories or or macros because I would say it's perfectly balanced. And even if you pick and choose meals, they're they're all perfect. You will be getting the right sort of overall macro ratio. But I would say it's probably the strictest phase. If someone asked me, it's probably about 1,400 calories a day in the attack phase. So it's just, you know, I would say a lot of people need more than that. Some people might need less if they're small and sedentary, but I, I just found that to be that it sort of works for everyone. Mm. Um, but obviously it's not personalized, so I'm not going to give a general number that everyone should stick to that. Yes. Um, and, and in you know, terms- I'm small, I eat more than that probably, a lot more, um, and I'm slim. So I think it really is quite personal. But the book, you know, for a general, for someone who's not training intensely and needs to lose weight, it's, it's probably the right amount. That's the right amount. And then what, they sort of slowly increase it as they move into the lifestyle. Um, yes, it will be bigger portions and, and yeah, increase. But I don't, I just find, you know, I'm not against people calculating their macros and tracking and calories, but I think um, for, you know, one-on-one I would work with someone like that, but I think it causes more stress than, mm. than good to, to give general advice to yeah. I just think that doesn't not the best way. No, I think sticking to I the do. right foods makes makes a bigger difference. I think that I think I I agree with you, and I think that when people see the concept of carbs as kind of cellular carbs, not even necessarily looking at like their glycemic response, mm-hmm. and just as soon as you've got the carbohydrate that's fully intact with the fiber and often the skin. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of takes care of itself anyway. You don't see those spikes that you're going to get after a cookie or a donut anyway. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I think juicing as well is something that people often don't realize, though, that that can spike things. I was wearing a continuous blood glucose monitor, and it was right. really interesting as an mm-hmm. experiment just to see what happened. That mm-hmm. um, So there were a few things, I guess, that were not, not surprising because the, the research, I guess, shows this in terms of things like cortisol. But mm-hmm. with um, juicing, that would even something like celery juice for me, I'm very carb sensitive, would mm-hmm. lead to quite a big blood sugar increase because obviously you've oh, stripped oh. away the fiber, haven't you? So it's not, yeah. yeah, it's not moderating it. Um, and that would be if I had a really large glass 
Um, but that was interesting to see. And then also just the way that stress or being underslept led to even my fasting glucose being higher in the morning. Uh, oh, wow. so yeah, so I mean, definitely that's a huge factor. Stress and cortisol levels can be responsible for weight gain or difficulty losing weight. Um, you know, if two people are eating exactly the same and one's got super high cortisol and the other doesn't, the stressed person will hold on to more more body fat. So, yeah, it's very true. And before you go, what's the in terms of afternoon snacks? Because a lot of people do struggle with that, and they yeah. they probably feel like they should have something. Then they come home, they're ravenous. They might start picking before dinner. What are mm. the ideal things that you can eat to kind of get you through that four or five p.m. Uh, pre dinner section of the day? Sure. So I love either carrot sticks and hummus. So a few tablespoons of hummus with carrot sticks or um, a handful of almonds or cashew nuts and an apple or a low-fat yogurt with um, a handful of almonds or some blueberries. What else is good? Like brown rice cakes or I'm not sure what you think of, like corn thins, some like a good quality cracker. You could go for gluten-free or, yeah, brown rice cakes actually are gluten-free if someone Mm. wants that. But um, So brown rice cakes with two tablespoons of hummus or two tablespoons, half an avocado or guacamole. Mm. Um, What about nut butter or do you think people eat too much nut butter? Like do you think there's the kind of omega-6, 3 ratios off? Do you think people have too much of it? Because I I am definitely a peanut butter addict (laughs) and I feel like I need to moderate it. I can't believe I didn't say that one first because I don't go a day without peanut butter. Um, Yeah, so I think think nut butter is so healthy, especially if you just buy, you know, natural, just the nuts, maybe with added salt. Um, I think it's so good, but it is very difficult to stick to portion size. Um, Mm, It's very moorish. There's one I found called Manny Life. I don't know if you've come across that. Oh, yeah, I've seen it. Their their peanut butter is just amazing. It's very addictive. Yum. Um, So I think it's good if you can stick to – I do include a lot of it in my book, in, you know, the meal plan, in part of breakfast and mid-afternoon snacks. Um, I definitely allow it, but I think it's similar to the wine. Some people tell me, you know, I don't want two tablespoons. I, you know, if I eat – not by I'm going to have the whole jar. <laughs> Other people, when I tell them they can have two tablespoons, they're like, that's so much. So I think really depends. If you can stick to, you know, two tablespoons, then it's great. Then it's great. And what does a, what does a typical day look like for you then in terms of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I know, I know that there probably isn't a typical day because <laughs> like, when I look on your Instagram feed, there are so many, like people have to definitely go and check out. It's the food effect doctor, yeah, isn't it, the, on Instagram? The food effect DR. Food like effect that. DR, because you put in Thank so many different recipes. So there's no chance of anyone getting bored. But if we were <laughs> going to say a kind of quasi-typical day, how would you start the day? What would be like your perfect breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Okay, so I'm actually not a big breakfast person because I'm, as I told you, I stay up so, so late. I'm a real night owl. Um, So I tend to have dinner and then my evening snack quite late. So I'm not hungry first thing in the morning. 
So I would just have, and this is my whole life, even as a medical student, not for weight loss and that. I probably was doing intermittent fasting just by accident. So I'll have, I always have a coffee, um, a big coffee with lots of a generous amount of semi-skim milk um, or almond milk or I'm not fussy what milk, but, you know, probably like half a cup of milk. And then I have lunch quite early because I'll, I'll get hungry, um, like 12-ish, and probably um, often eggs, so scrambled eggs on toast, maybe with some avocado or avo toast or what else? Um, a salad with cottage cheese, avocado, nuts, something like that. Something, lunch is usually quick and easy. Um, easy but yeah. Um, like I need food, but yeah, it can be like corn thins and cottage cheese and avocado, smoked salmon, quick and easy. Um, in the afternoon, I'll always have a handful of nuts, um, almonds or cashew nuts, or sometimes a naked bar. Do you know them? Oh, yeah, I know the naked bars. Yeah, yeah, I often have one of those. And then in the evening, suppers, just like a good, simple, healthy meal. So can be salmon, sweet potato and salad or um, often pasta, um, holy pasta or red lentil pasta with a sauce and lots of veggies. Um, it's usually vegetarian. Um, in the evening, that's interesting. Do you find yeah. you sleep better when it's vegetarian? And in the day, I'm just not a big, my husband loves meat, but I don't really eat chicken or meat, so I just tend to stick to I'll cook meat for him on the weekends but in the week I just make veggie burger stick to veggie so we can both have the same thing um I just feel better with it but I'm not recommend you know my book my first book includes chicken and and that but yeah so yeah pasta salmon sort of something like that veggie burgers falafel maybe with like um brown rice and salad lots of veggies always um colorful veggies lots of spinach broccoli sweet potatoes nice. um and then i do have a snack i get hungry in the evening Ooh. i'm working so late so i'll have like quite a substantial snack i'll have maybe like a porridge um oh really that's uh, interesting isn't it probably three hours it will be three hours at least three hours like at around nine or um, I'll have some cereal or a Greek yogurt with berries and cereal, but like something, maybe even peanut butter on toast. Um, I get hungry then. And then, yeah, I go to bed quite a lot later, so it doesn't affect my sleep. But I suppose no. I was telling it's you. It's funny. I'm yeah, you're in Yeah, because that sounds very much like a night owl because I'm very yeah. different. So I would, to do fasting, I have to kind of like, make the effort because I definitely like I want to I'm ready to wind down by sort of half eight nine oh, wow. um, I'm not hungry in the evenings and then I'm just like now I'm getting teenagers who want to stay up late I'm just like oh my god will you please go to bed so I can too wow. and then in the morning I will be hungry within about half an hour of waking up usually oh, wow. I won't good. necessarily eat but I will definitely feel hungry so I'm such a I'm such an early kind of day person yeah. like working in the evenings really really hard so when I was practicing as a lawyer I just found that so mm -hmm. difficult because lawyers always work late in the day that's just how they structure it and it was a yeah. real effort for me um, wow I think it's better to be that way I'm so you know I'll have dinner clear up at nine and then I, I can go work for like three four hours from from 10 or 11 
that's amazing yeah so I mean it is but I I'm I'm aiming to be more towards what you what your what your schedule's like it's different isn't it for everyone though um, yeah well, those were amazing tips. So where can people find you? Because I'm going to link to this in the show notes um, because you've got two books. One is vegetarian yeah. and one isn't. Is that right? Or is it vegan, your second um, book? The second one is just, what do I say? I shouldn't call it normal. One is everything. And the second one is vegan, the food effect diet, vegan. Um, and both should be on the way to you. Um, yes. Yeah, so I've got, the, I've got the... Um, the Kindle version I know you've read of, the, of the first one. Yeah, which I've yeah. read. I'm excited to read the vegan one because I definitely feel like in our house we could do with less um, animal-based products. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to have a look at those recipes. So thank you for thank that. Thank you. Um, so, oh, so where can so where, find yeah, your um, website and Instagram? Instagram is at the food effects DR. And my website is www.thefoodeffect.co.uk. Um, or you can just type the food effect or Dr. Michelle Brody. That's how my surname. Yeah, Brody. I was pronouncing it yeah. wrong. Apologies. Isn't it? Um, oh. Dr. Michelle Brody. And you still see patients in London? Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so I always saw face to face before Corona, but now I'm doing everything virtual okay. um, video consultations. But yes, very much. That is my full time job. So. So people yeah, can um, find that you, yeah. um, on your website, basically. Is that the best way to get in touch yeah, with you? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, through my website or DM me on Instagram. Or my email address is also on my website. And there's a contact page. So, yeah. Brilliant. Amazing. I will link to all of that in the That's show notes. Nice. It's been such fun Thank having you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. on. I've enjoyed it. Thanks so much. So nice to video meet you. Yes, so nice to meet you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with Dr. Michelle Brody. You can find all of the resources and everything that we spoke about over on my website, www.angelafosterperformance.com forward slash podcasts. And over there, actually, if you don't know this already, you can listen to the episode with transcript. So if ever you listen to an episode and you want to find out more information, or maybe you were out walking or driving or even going for a run or a workout and you couldn't make note of some of the things we spoke about, do head over to my website because there is a transcript for each episode there. So you can just lift the information from there, which makes it super easy. I also list all of the resources and the show notes and everything that we discussed. So that's all over at Angela Foster performance.com forward slash podcasts thanks again for listening Um, if you've enjoyed the show i would love it if you could leave us a review it just helps to get the message out there further so please do leave us a review on itunes or whatever platform you're listening um listening to because it just helps to pay it forward and helps me to keep bringing you great content every single week so thanks again for listening and i'll see you next tuesday Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe. You can grab the show notes, the resources and highlights of everything Angela mentioned over at AngelaFosterPerformance.com. You can also snatch up plenty of other goodies, including the highly helpful Angela Recommends page, which is a list of everything she personally recommends to optimize your mind, body and lifestyle.